Hello, listeners, and welcome to Baby Brain. I'm Samantha Hugula, your host. With me today is Dr. Elizabeth Adudokun. She is a licensed marriage and family therapist working in the perinatal mental health specialty. Thank you for joining us today, Lizzie. Can you share with us a little bit about your personal connection to perinatal mood and anxiety disorders? Thank you, Sam. Thank you so much for having me today. So my personal connection to PMADS is that I'm a survivor myself. I struggled with postpartum depression and anxiety when I gave birth to my first child. Before giving birth to my first child, like things were going really well. I had a pretty healthy pregnancy. I had really nice and attentive doctors and nurses. And as soon as he was born, a month after he was born, what triggered some of my symptoms was that my breast milk was delayed and my son ended up losing 10% of his weight. And it really stressed me out. It stressed my husband out. My mother was with us at the time. Like everybody was just really stressed. I'm someone who, you know, it seems like I have things all put together. I've always been a busybody. I've always stayed on top of things. I'm a therapist myself. And I thought, oh, I, you know, I should have this all together. But as soon as my breast milk um, was delayed, things really started happening. So I started feeling really sad and hopeless and helpless. And I had to check myself into therapy. And that's when I was diagnosed with postpartum depression and anxiety. How has a PPSM or a PSI been involved with your journey? In 2018, so this is a couple months after my son was born, I actually attended a training that was put on through Nystrom's and Associates. And at that time, their mother-baby program was starting up. Um, And that's kind of when I met you, Samantha, and I learned a little bit more about PMADS. And so I was really, really interested because before pregnancy, I never really was well-versed in PMADS. I didn't really... I had no reason to really understand it because I wasn't a mother at the time. And so I was just really grateful because that's actually how I found my therapist is through postpartum support, um, Minnesota. And my therapist was very well-versed in PMAD. So I'm just really thankful because if it was not for postpartum Minnesota, I probably would not have the therapist that I have. So very grateful. You're here today to talk a little bit about Supermom and you kind of alluded a little bit to I think how that might weave into your life with your description of life before baby. So tell us a little bit about what Supermom means to you. When I think of a Supermom, there's this picture that comes to mind for me. You've probably seen it. There's literally a mother, there's like 10 hands, and in each hand, she has like a mop, a broom, a baby, a house, a computer. And her face is just, she just looks so depleted. And it's really hard for us mothers to be able to juggle all of those things on top of having um, a personal life. So that's what comes to mind for me when I think of a super mom is that this mom that just tries to keep it all together while juggling all these things, whereas it's, it's just impossible, right, to manage all those things successfully. So that's what I think of when I think of a super mom. How do you think that affects our mental health and mental well-being? I know that everyday duties of a mother can be so 
overwhelming, right? We wake up, we just wake up one day and we're just overwhelmed with our long to-do list. And we have kids screaming in our face for food or snacks and they're throwing tantrums. And sometimes you can't even manage to just get out of bed because all, you know, these daily commands or demands of life. And so this can definitely lead to decreased energy and lack of motivation, which can therefore turn into symptoms of depression and anxiety, like stress, uh, sadness, and even rage, finding yourself just going off on your kids or your partner. So this can definitely affect um, your mental health. There's actually new research that has revealed that mothers who believe that they can just do it all and they'll just manage everything actually struggle with more symptoms of depression and anxiety than mothers who anticipate that the work-life balance with new children will be met with some difficulty and some stress. So I think we're sold this story that like us mothers, we can do it all. There's nothing they can do without mothers, but in reality, juggling home and work life and your children all together um, can really create some stress. And so just being able to accept that, that it's not gonna be all lilies and roses every day when you're trying to juggle your work life and uh, motherhood. Lizzie, what is something that as mothers we can do to protect ourselves from the chaos of being supermom? A beautiful question. I love that question. And this is where I'm going to talk a little bit about self-care. I am a huge advocate of self-care and protecting your energy, protecting your peace. And I define self-care as whatever you do to maintain your health, your peace, and your energy. And the World Health Organization defines self-care as the ability of individuals to promote health, prevent disease or illness, maintain health, and cope with illness with or without um, the support of a healthcare provider. So self-care can also encourage you to maintain a healthy relationship with yourself. So practicing self-compassion is very huge in motherhood, right? We tend to be so hard on ourselves. Sometimes we just need to be kind to ourselves and knowing that we're not alone in this journey of motherhood. Um, having, a, having a healthy relationship with yourself can also, you can also transmit those good feelings onto other people. So it's this notion that you can't pour from an empty cup. You can't give what you don't have, right? So what you're doing to refuel your energy and your peace um, is really important to be present with others and be the best version of yourself. Can you define self-compassion for us? Sure. I define self-compassion as how you view yourself, right? So what does that inner self-talk look like? What does it sound like? Are you being nice to yourself? Are you practicing self-affirmations and are you practicing self-love, right? When you make a mistake, like we all do, because we're all human beings, how do you handle those mistakes? Are you so hard on yourself to the point that you get angry at yourself or sad? Or are you telling yourself, you know what? I made a mistake. I lashed out on my child. I was not feeling well. I apologize to my child and I'm going to move forward, right? You are practicing just being nice to yourself. When you have a best friend who has gone through a hard situation, think of how you will encourage that best friend to get out of that situation or manage that situation. Those are the same things you should be telling yourself, 
right? It's easy for us to encourage other people, but we have to encourage ourselves. So that's how I would define self-compassion. I think that's so true. Often we do the repair work when we are cranky with somebody else, we'll go back and apologize. But very rarely do I hear people comment on kind of reaffirming and doing something for themselves after they're hard on themselves from making a mistake. You know, I think our, our negative self-talk is pretty automatic about, oh gosh, I did that. It was so stupid or don't really being down on ourselves. And we don't do that repair work. So we let that thought be what settles with us and kind of run the rest of our day. Exactly. What are some examples of self-care? There are a couple of areas in life that we should focus on when it comes to self-care. And that includes your emotional health, your physical health, your psychological health, and your spiritual health. So I'm going to just give a few examples that hit each of these areas. And I'll start with your emotional health. And this is personally important to me. And this includes setting clear boundaries to protect your time, energy, and peace. So paying attention to who's in your circle every day, right? Are you surrounding yourself with people who tend to be so negative and toxic? Or are you surrounding yourself with positive people who make you feel seen, safe, and supported? So really just paying attention to what what you put most of your energy towards and how you are managing and protecting your peace. The next, the next area is physical health. So this might include paying attention to what you're putting in your body, like the types of foods you're eating. Of course, it's ideal to eat healthy foods, foods that are rich in protein, and how you also treat your body is important as well. So like taking walks, working out, stretching, climbing a mountain, doing yoga, those are ways to take care of your physical health. The next area is psychological health. So this includes what you are doing for your mind. So noticing those inner experiences, those thoughts, those feelings, and cultivating self-awareness. You can do this through journaling, which is my personal favorite. I journal once a day. Meditation, therapy is a really big one. And whatever you're doing to just grow, learn, and reflect in life. And this also includes practicing self-love and compassion. The last one is spiritual health. And this is whatever you do to connect with purpose, essence, or meaning. And self-care in this area could look like journaling, meditation, spending time in nature, practicing mindfulness, and practicing gratitude. This is a personal favorite that I have that I encourage my clients to do at the end of each day writing down or saying to yourself three things that you're grateful for. And lastly, along with mindfulness, being present in the moment. So if you notice these examples I've included are intentional and they're things to do just for you. So I feel like as mothers, we tend to find going to the bathroom by ourselves or like going to Target to pick up groceries as like a form of self-care, but just really thinking about self-care as an intentional thing that you do just for you. Because when we go to Target to pick up groceries, at the end of the day, we're thinking of our families, right? We're picking up food for our families. And so self-care is not a selfish thing. It's not a selfish thing at all. It's something to do for yourself for other people so that you can show up and be the best version of yourself for the people around you that love you. I know that you answered part of this already, but what would you say the most important thing about self-care is? The most important thing I would say about self-care 
is really connected to self-love and self-compassion and also showing up for the people that the significant people in your life that you care about. I think it's really important to fill yourself up with the things that you love and the things that bring you joy because those will cultivate good feelings and those good feelings you can now trans transmit to other people in your life, right? So when we are not our best selves, it's going to be hard for us to be present, right? For the people that love us. But if we are feeling good about ourselves, we're taking care of our physical, our emotional, our psychological and spiritual health, you will even notice a difference with just how you present and how you show up for others. So it's really, really important. And also practicing consistent self-care can really help work against um, some certain mental health illnesses, such as depression and anxiety. If you are cultivating self-care, you know, as a daily routine, you will notice that you will feel so much better. You will feel better overall about life, about yourself, about your family. So it's very, self-care overall is extremely beneficial and important. I'm sure that this information resonates with a number of people listening. So what kind of advice would you have on how to start implementing self-care if someone really isn't sure what that means or how to begin the journey? Sure. I would start off with literally just writing out all your favorite hobbies and interests and your values and what's important to you. Listing those things out and committing to practicing those one of those things from those from that list once a day. It could be like 5 minutes a day. And I would also this is something I personally do. I put an alarm in my phone to remind me as, especially as a mother of two littles, I tend to forget, I tend to put myself on the back burner, but I have a, a special alarm in my phone that alerts me to take a break from whatever I'm doing. For those moms out there who work full-time, take advantage of those, uh, the 30 minute or one hour break that you have and implement some self-care, implement some mindfulness. If it's warm outside, you can go outside and practice some mindfulness. But I do believe it's important to first start off with listing what are those things you like? What are those things that bring you joy and committing to doing one of those each day for just a couple minutes. And then you'll see that it'll be a consistent part of your routine every day. That's such great advice. I think sometimes we get so busy, we forget what we like to do. We're so busy doing the stuff we have to do. We forget what we like to do. Right. And setting reminder is great. Any last words for our listeners about self-care? Yes, I just want to reiterate the importance of self-love and being kind to yourself, especially for us full-time working mothers out there, because motherhood is also a full-time job, be kind to yourself. Show yourself love. The way that you love on your children or you love on your best friend, show, extend that same love to yourself. And remember that nobody's perfect and you're not alone. Try not to compare your life to other people and remember that everybody's journey is unique and love yourself to the fullest. Thank you so much for joining me today, Lizzie. To find out more information about Lizzie and her practice at Mindful Families, see the description of the podcast connected to this episode.